Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, good Saturday. We're off and running. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, two hours. Everything about you, for you, by you, with you. I am Scott Mosby. I'm at the microphone and the switchboard here exchanging all the questions and answers. I promise I'm supposed to answer your questions. Occasionally, we took a poll, and about half the time, my questions actually match your or my answers actually match your questions. Never mind that. We'll try and do the best we can. Scott Mosby here, KMOX 314-436-7900. All of you in the KMOX listening family, welcome back. Welcome home. Welcome in. Bring it on. We've got two full hours of home improvement show. One o'clock, your retirement professionals. Two o'clock, business of family business. Later on today, KMOX Cardinals. Yep, cards in the reds. Yeah, well, let's go Cardinals. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. As well, as we get around, we've got uh, some dry times, as it might be. Now some hot stuff. Man, 93 degrees, October, St. Louis. Ah, wait a minute. Uh, what page? Are we? Let's flip this forward a few days and see what's happening. Anyway, it's going to be a hot one today. So, as promised, make sure your air conditioner is still in good stead. All that stuff you do around the yard, at least I do around the yard in the fall and the spring, uh, make sure you're keeping that area clear around that outside condenser. Uh, if you have a leaf blower or anything like that or a broom, just make sure the cobwebs and the leaves are away from that. 93 degrees, that's real stuff here in the Midwest. A 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. All phone lines open for you. Bring it on, bring it in. Vote early, vote often. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. Uh, we were founded in 1947. We do our very best to keep all promises and deliver as is designed. So we just, uh, I don't know, it, I love i love my career. It was I, I, I love my job. I get to work with creative people, practical people, all the folks then somewhere in between trying to figure out how to hold up the roof on that phenomenal design. Yeah, well, it is what it is. 314-436-7900. We've got a great hot day today. Don't lose sight. Right around the corner, and I promise you, right around the corner. Um, you know, we've got uh, cold weather coming, whether you believe it or not, today. And uh, it will hit, so it's time to get outside and get the house kind of ready. If you will, if you're a sealer, sealer of asphalt driveways, concrete driveways, concrete patios, stone, brick, whatever it is, the optimal time, the optimal best time, chemically speaking, for putting on a sealer on any of that stuff is 70 degrees and up. Well, 93 is a little bit quick. Sometimes that stuff evaporates and cures a little too quickly. And keep in mind, it is the surface temperature of the material. So even though it's 93 degrees in the air, because the concrete and the asphalt and the stone might be laying on the ground, that soil, that heat sink, that big chunk of constant temperature dirt might make that concrete temperature, not in the sun, but in the shade, you know, somewhere around 83, 85 degrees Fahrenheit. So could be perfect times. Anyway, the point being, as we go into this uh, day, this weekend, this next week, uh, think about getting your stuff sealed as well as painting. Optimal time for applying any kind of a paint coating, whether acrylic, oil, whatever it is. 
the best curing temperature and for pouring concrete as well. The optimal peering, uh, curing temperature for concrete is 70 degrees Fahrenheit, not in the sun. Uh, so when you get down to, with regarding concrete, when you get down to 45 degrees and 40 and 35 degrees, the slower concrete cures, the slower your paint cures, the slower your concrete sealer, asphalt sealer, whatever it is, the more time it is for all those chemical connections to make a quality sealing product application. So uh, people call in and say, well, what do you think of this product? Well, most often the product is a phenomenally, uh, technically well-made product, almost always. The problem is people are trying to apply some of these things where, you know, you look at the product quality and the product's whiz bang. But if you use it on something that isn't the perfect application, you might get 10% of the value of your investment, 20, 30, 40. Likewise, a sealer, you know, you put it in or concrete, um, the slower this stuff cures. Um, kind of like, you know, frankly, the more time you have to do your homework, you know, the better you do on the test. Well, likewise, with most of the chemical and building products, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Let's fire up, get started with my friend, Mike. Hey, Mike, good morning. Welcome to KMWX. How can I help Thank you? Thank you. Yes, well, sir. I want to have my Federal Pacific Junction box replaced. Okay. The problem is that I heard in the back, my meter is only about a foot and a half off the ground. I heard a county cone code says it has to be at least six feet. Mm-hmm. If I would move it six feet, that would really mess up my siding. So what do you suggest? Uh, mess up your siding. Uh, this gets all the way down to uh, OSHA, uh, federal law. I mean, basically, if you're the meter reader, do you need to lay down on your belly to do your job? Probably not. A little bit unreasonable. So the building code, in order to get and facilitate the utilities around the country, building codes like, and what they're saying is not six feet or whatever. It's it's up about eye level. So in a practical location, and then they have to define that as some number of inches. So you're in. If, if you're changing that FPE panel, by the way, the life you save may be your own. Kudos. Yeah. Congratulations. Get yeah. that panel up. You will move the meter base up higher. There's no licensed electrician can, that can do anything otherwise. So think it through. This is the consumer end of the building code and what general contractors like me do all the time is what is the least um, intrusive, ugly, whatever it is, application of that appropriate building code. So Yeah, because like I said, I really, I really don't want to mess up my, my selling, you know, uh, that much, though, you know? Oh, don't worry about it. it, it honestly everybody's house is like this. You're not the only one. And the issue is where the panel is down below. You might have to, you know, what is the siding you have, Mike? What, what kind? Um, um, vinyl. Okay. Think of it in terms of, of putting a, a J bar all the way around where that old panel was. If you can't get old pieces of siding and siding can be surgically replaced. So you can slip out one piece of siding where the old panel was, maybe two, and you can reinsert the other. And especially if it's a foot and a half off the ground, nobody is going to notice any kind of mismatched color on it. You see? What okay. I mean? Well, okay. Thank yeah. you. There are a lot of ways to, to get there. And the yeah. number one, if you have siding, perfect. You might need a new siding. You know, you get the electrician to move the thing and then the siding guy comes back and does his thing. And frankly, if you get a chance to watch it, it's pretty cool. Okay, yeah, but but I am going to get that federal junction box replaced. Please do. FPE, uh, they have a way of uh, bursting into flame. And frankly, here's another one from an electrician buddy of mine. 
um, you know, 30, 50-year-old electric panels and meter bases, even if you have a really good quality panel, you might want to replace those breakers because they're electronic. It's like running a 50-year-old car engine. It might need a little attention, you know, yeah. and when you're messing around with – so, frankly, from, you know, seven different ways of safety, Mike – I'm way yeah. in favor of replacing that panel. And if you have a good old, you know, good quality, you know, Cutler Hammer, Hammer Square D, whatever, good quality panel, you might want to look into, talk to your electrician about changing all those breakers. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot. Okay, Mike, thanks, brother. Take care. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. Call in all these safety things. The life you save may be your own or somebody you love. So make sure we get this stuff right. All these building codes, which are um, uh, objectionable sometimes, uh, less than palatable, you know, when you get the whole performance level of it, uh, every time something messes up in the built environment or in my world, they change the application, the instructions, the building code, underwriter laboratory, you know, seal of approval that it's safe for you and I to do. So all these improvements, and frankly, you know, buying a newer home, existing home or brand new home, means you've got all those kind of safety things built in. So Mike dealing with kind of the funky things. Well, anyway, when you move an electric panel from a foot and a half up to six feet or visible, then you've got some other wart, blemish, you know, something to deal with, hole in the siding. That's easier to deal with than somebody dying. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby will be right back for more after this. They vary. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Oh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Scott Mosby here, sassy and ever more uh, spunky than usual. Uh, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. Bring him in. Bring it early. We've got lots to talk about. And remember, we're going into the winter. It's time to pay just a little bit more attention to your house because old man winter just tends to beat us up around the head, neck, and shoulders when it gets, you know, 8 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah, I know. Today, 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock when it hits 93 or whatever Scott Jagel reported. I heard 93. 93 is the number. I'm in denial. You know, I, I'm just trying to get past that thing. All right, let's go to my buddy Joe. Hey, Joe, good morning. How can I help you this fine morning? Yes, good morning, Scott. Thank you for your service. Yes, sir. I'm still having problems with my in-ground irrigation system. I've had several uh, uh, technicians come out and check the system. They can't determine what the problem is, so I thought I'd better come to you and see if I can get some additional advice. The, uh, the problem that I'm experiencing is a hammering effect as the system is cycling from station to station. It's intermittent. It doesn't do it all the time. But it's progressively getting louder. You know, I, I was getting uh, possibly three to four hammering uh, effects as it switched stations. Mm. And now it's like about seven or eight hammering sounds as it switches from station to station. Don't know where to go with this. Well, I'm not quite sure either when the specialists don't know. I, I'm I'm stumped. Uh, uh, let's think this through. Um it has to be something that's common to all the stations, but it operates intermittently. It malfunctions. I call it a malfunction. Yeah. It malfunctions intermittently as it's 
changes from station one through station eight. I have about four to five heads at each station. Yeah. And it's really getting to be a nuisance because right now I aerated last week and I seeded and fertilized, so I'm trying to keep yeah. the lawn well uh, nurtured. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd try to get this system fixed before the end of the season. Joe, out of the eight stations, how many times do you hear that clunk, that chunk, every time? Nah, I'd say probably as I cycle through, I probably get it about three to four times. That's why I say it doesn't occur at every station consistently. Yeah. It, yeah. Sometimes it's at station one, three, and five. Next time it might be four, seven, and eight. Oh. You know, it, it, it's it's very intermittent. Wow. But it does it with each watering cycle. Okay, let, let's assume that all the guys you've had out there are pretty sharp and that there really isn't a problem. You know, let's, we need we need to assume something. So, uh, and it's universal and not consistent. Okay, so my, my first answer was going to be, well, the solenoid springs on those valves in the ground are probably where, well, but it happens and it moves. So let's assume everything's working out on the irrigation system. What else right. could be happening? Do you have a uh, pressure-reducing valve on your house? And where I'm going with this is, could the water supply for you, Missouri American or whoever it is, could that be going up to 100 PSI down to, you know, I mean, could an external thing well, be causing the, this? Well, uh, the technician or plumber that I had here last weekend, he checked my inlet pressure coming in from the street. It was at 70 pounds. Oh, that's Past perfect. the pressure regulator, it's at 55. Wow. But the line that's feeding off the main line coming into the house from outside yeah. is before the pressure regulator. So yeah. I would say we're getting 70 pounds of pressure to the backflow valve and the rest of those guys out there. Wow. I, I'm going to, frankly, uh, I'm guessing, but so are the guys coming out that with the experience as well. Uh, I would put a pre uh, here. Here's what I do. I'm kind of a, well, what is my theory and how do I find out if this is true? Uh, you can go to the hardware store and get a pressure valve, just like for an air compressor or whatever, and, and, and fit up enough fittings. You can stick it on the outside hose bib of your house, turn it on, leave it on. Every now and again, you can go outside and see what the pressure is coming into your house because sometimes those hose bibs are down line. Or if you've got a hose connection uh, before uh, your irrigation, so it's a true situation there because if you put it on a hose bib you might get 55 psi all the time my my theory is and and it's not uncommon and you know frankly the water company does this all the time whenever the tv advertisements come on they kind of know and they you know they up the pressure so that you have pressure well sometimes it doesn't line so my point being that you don't get 70 psi incoming to your house all the time the supplier moves that in order to achieve, you know, proper performance. Um, so anyway, it, you may be getting higher water pressure that causes a more severe chunk when that valve goes off. And mm. you see what I mean? And yeah. Now that's that, that. Let's pretend that's right. What can you do about it? Nothing. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, what you can change your valves. That might help you feel better, but it probably will continue to happen. Um, you know what well, I mean? My last technician that was here just a few days ago went ahead and uh, did a little rebuilding on the backflow valve. Perfect. That's, yeah. They replaced that piston. 
question and the uh, large washer that goes with it. But uh, he said it had some wear on it. But subsequent to that repair, it still kept hammering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a safety, you know, that's a big deal. And and when that thing goes off, you'll hear the hammer. Uh, that oh, yeah. if you ever have a real backflow on the main system, it that's a big piston and that's a big deal. Boy, Joe, you know, I'm I'm a little bit out of gas. I I would say that this is probably changing psi, which is causing uh, something different. Um, a, you may have some grit, but you know my next suggestion was going to be rebuild your backflow preventer because that's common to every station as well. You did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now here's here's another thing that gets a little funky. Um, there is a dielectric union that is a threaded fitting or a, a soldered fitting that you can put after your backflow preventer. And what a dielectric union does, and it's to separate iron pipe from copper or brass from iron or galvan, you know, so it's to keep that, dile- that electrolysis from occurring. What it also does is it sticks a piece of plastic between the two hard pipes and it, it kind of softens like a shock absorber very slightly. You still have these big nuts that tighten everything down on that dielectric union. But you can put one of those in there, and it might improve the sound by diminishing it a third, you know. But, you know, that's much much ado about not much uh, benefit, frankly. But that's one okay, option. Okay, now, does that have to be done by a licensed plumber, or can any John Doe do it? Well, it can be done by your irrigation guy because they put everything in downline from your— uh, as long as they're messing after the um, um, backflow preventer, it's all kosher for, you know, your irrigation guy to come in and do that. He might ask you and say, who told you that? You know, because it's pretty, it's pretty weird, a little different, you know. Yeah, but it's a dielectric union. Okay. Yeah. And look that up. It's D-I-L-E-C-T-R-I-C. So die. All it is is how do you separate two dissimilar pieces of metal so you don't create a battery in line on your plumbing system? And that, you know, kind of like the nickel and the dime pinched on your tongue, that kind of thing. That's yeah. what it is. Okay. okay. And one final question. I've got a roof replacement coming up. I've got a hip roof. Is a ridge vent required on a hip roof? No. No, ridge vents on hip roofs are almost impossible to effectively install. They have ridge vents, you know, that you can put up at the top, but you, you may only get 15 feet of length out of that. And then they have these hip ridges. You can put them on there. You know, it starts looking like, you know, kind of like a piled up, you know, box, uh, piled up pile of boxes. You know, it's just different. It, it's unsightly. Uh, so yeah. typically on a ridge, on a hip roof, you'll wind up with a ridge vent, pan vents below that, intake. And I mean, you really have to deal with somebody that knows attic ventilation to, to get it kind of right. I know that on the soffit covering, there's louvers there to allow air flow up into the attic. Perfect. Yeah. So here, I've here's got about eight vents that are up on the hip roof itself. So I assume that the system's working okay, but I was just kind of curious about that ridge vent because I've heard so much about it. Well, okay, you've answered my questions, and I appreciate your service, sir. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Joe. I wish I could have gotten you down the road further on that irrigation system. but uh, Well, we're going to try that dielectric union, see if that helps. Yeah, or ask them about uh, a quieting, you know, separator. I know we had that problem with uh, when we went to the high-efficiency furnaces. 
they were so mechanical. They were shaking all the ductwork in the house, and now all those furnaces have these uh, rubber boots connectors to try and isolate. So all I'm proposing is, is there some sort of a shock absorber separator uh, between yeah. that pipe, you know, that three-quarter out or one-inch out pipe flow down line uh, after your uh, uh, backflow preventer? So they may come up with a better, oh, no, I, you don't need a dielectric. You need this. So, But yeah. that's where I defer to their experience. I got it. Okay. Very good, Scott. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Joe. You too. Bye now. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX, 314-436-7900, I'm sitting here in this beautiful studio looking out at some wonderful weather, thinking about 93 degrees. There, Boy, howdy. That's a warmish one. Anyway, we'll be right back for more right here on University of KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, folks, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We've got another hour and a half. We go up until 1 o'clock today on KMOX. Cardinal Baseball versus the Reds, 520 pregame time, 615 game time right here on the Mighty Mox. Uh, this is the Home Improvement Show, one and a half hours. Scott Mosby up next, my buddy Ken. Hey, Ken, good morning. How can I help you this fine day? Yes, uh, I'm getting new gutters, six inch. I had five. Uh-huh. Uh, previously, I bought the vinyl helmet cover from a big box store yeah and uh it was five inch gutter so now that i'm getting six um i thought of getting something new and um i went to a roofing company that was local and they had some samples with the uh the mesh type the real fine mesh yeah i i have pine needles um all along one side of my house and I took those pine needles dropped them on that sample piece and the pine needles stuck in the uh, (laughs) gutter guard amen I'm looking to find whoops hey I lost you brother you're looking to find what can speak again uh, looking at what's the best type to go back with because of the pine needles. Okay. Um, let me rephrase your question. I'm looking for the least bad uh, gutter cover for a six-inch gutter. First off, um, uh, I'm a fan of the leaf guard and the hood systems because they don't, they don't really care about pine needles. Pine needles roan off. The issue is they're aftermarket or you build them in, and the leaf guard gutter is only a 5-inch standard gutter. Um, but if you're really trying to do this for, for pine needles, I would consider a hooded system in either the one-piece or the two-piece aftermarket hood. You know what I mean when I'm talking about the hoods? You know. Yes, but uh, what's the one or two-piece? Well, one. Uh, now we're into um, who holds the patent. Um, leaf guard is all one piece of metal, so basically it starts at the area where, you know, the front leading edge goes down the bottom of the gutter, up, back up, and then it comes back up and curls around with a hood or a cap or a hat. Um, so that means you're when you're buying all new gutters, that then you're buying the gutter and the, the leaf protection thing. 
there are aftermarket uh, that go on existing five-inch gutters. Kind of, they they will work on six, but they're made for five-inch gutters. They tuck up under the shingles. Um, there, it's okay on a, a relative like a four and twelve hip roof. I don't like them when they get down on flat roofs, shed roofs, low pitch, that kind of thing, because uh, the water can actually drip. Anyway, can get underneath those hoods, slid under the shingles. So one or two piece, those are my choices on one and two choice. Um, if you're buying new gutters, um, I, I, I I used to advertise for for uh, um, the the one piece gutter guard. So uh, keep in mind, I'm just uh, that's my favorite, but I am biased. Um, if you're going to do six inch gutters, you're almost big enough to where um, you can handle the water. You still have to clean out your gutters, but you know it's the outlet tube. How that drain on the bottom of the gutter is cut out there as to whether pine needles or leaves flush down out of those gutters. Uh, it, what's your reason for doing a six-inch gutter? Um, leaves. Yes, because well. Because that in the in the corner in the valley. Yeah. Uh, water would just gush out, and yeah, um, yeah. and I put that dam up in the corner. Yeah. Um, but then the helmets. Yeah, or even worse. Still, still <laughs> couldn't handle it. Amen. So I had to I had to remove the helmet yeah. in that corner and put a mesh system. Yeah. And then um, that's the corner I had to clean out all the time. Yeah. Well, I'm, six, I'm 65 years old. I got a lot of trees. I don't want to be cleaning my gutters ever. Yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Well, I like where you're going. Well, because of those valleys um, and that volume, I totally agree with you. There is no answer for those inside corner valleys, uh, especially with a hooded system. Um, so now you're back to some sort of mesh, larger holes. Uh, but that being said, no matter what you do in a heavy tree cover situation like that, Ken, somebody's going to get up there and clean that off. Uh, because even if you have a mesh, even in the corner, if you've got a steep or high-pitched roof, that water st- still sticks off or skips off the top of that uh, mesh or, or holes or whatever. Any kind of a gutter cover doesn't do well in valleys. <laughs> Period. Oh, okay. What about uh, the roofing company said that they really didn't like the idea of slipping the uh, gutter guard under the shingle? Yeah. That Well, that's the issue, too, because that tends to mess with the shingle warranty, and that's the biggest sales argument, if you will, for the one-piece uh, uh, leaf guard gutters is then you're not voiding the warranty well but if you're putting a, sh- a hit any kind of a hood on an inside corner valley that water just skips off there like a rock off a pond you know so i don't have any good answers for you you are getting the right scoop from your roofer though okay so one piece leaf guard cutter look that up yeah, look that, but still, if you have a problem with inside corners, you know, because a leaf guard, they put the same mesh inside corner uh, hooded hood with a bunch of holes in it that you already had that didn't work. So, you know, you're going to pay a premium for something that works where it's straight, but if your problems are the inside corners, and I would say that, you know, if you have a steep pitch roof that has a lot of debris on it, especially pine needles, 
there's there's no way to protect your roof. You are just cleaning that roof, you or somebody else, period. Or cut down your pine trees. Well, that's that's a commitment. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but that's that's where yeah. it is. Some of this some of this technology is good for ninety five percent of it and sometimes it's just old school, well, sorry, find a guy to get up and clean your roof. And it's not okay. just your gutters, it's the valleys, too. Those pine needles lay in those valleys. So even if you get a great gutter guard system, you still, you're still going to have somebody get up there and take those pine needles out of that valley. Well, in that valley, in that corner, it's, uh, I, can reach, I can get that with an eight-foot step ladder. Oh. So that's the, that's the front of the house, and that's the easy part. The rest of the house... Um, some of it's 30 feet ladder, and so yeah. I'm not going to be going up there. Yeah, I, just but, suffice it to say there aren't any really good systems that handle all the conditions. Um, but uh, I am still, for your straight gutter parts, those hood systems are some of the best. And the meshes are, you know, a, a, an alternative um, and, and pretty good. They're better than nothing. But with your six inch gutters, I would pay more attention to how those six inch gutter downspouts, what's called the outlet or where the downspout connects to the bottom of the gutter. There's a dry fit and there's a wet fit. Um, and there's what's called an outlet tube, which is this preformed piece of metal that you drop, you cut a hole in the bottom of the gutter and you drop this thing down and then you goop up a quarter inch thick, tall, goop of silicone caulk which creates a quarter inch dam you know then all your so if you dry fit it you just cut flanges down there cut a hole and then you bend the tabs down and you don't put any inside silicone you just put your downspout down up from the bottom now most of that debris just flushes right out because it doesn't have to go over that quarter inch silicone caulk dam you following my point there yes i i talked to you about two weeks ago i'm the sheet metal worker oh yeah well then you well then frankly good sheet metal work is your best um defense against all that stuff on your gutters is a dry fit you know where you just bend it just like you're doing you know a uh an in you know a six inch inlet uh boot you know you just you just cut those tabs you bend them down you stick your uh, downspout up from the bottom and now you have a slick or what's called dry fit all the debris inside your new six inch gutters flushed your down now you're moving your problem to your downspouts so now you have to keep your downspouts clean <laughs> yeah yeah um okay well, i'm glad you're that guy because at least you understand what i'm talking about and you know you can picture that that's good ken i'm gonna go with some type of uh gutter guard but i just don't know what yet and uh so and i am getting bigger downspouts yeah so yeah um, even big downspouts on five inch gutters people say well you can't do that so, well yeah you can but you know that dry if you dry fit a five inch gutter with a four by three you know four inch downspout you you're gonna get a lot of debris out of those gutters okay yep well good luck ken all right thank you all righty bye now all right. Got some seriously uh, challenging questions here. People say, oh, I never hear you stumped. Well, I've got three questions, folks, and two of them I didn't know the answer to. How's that? But some of that is, you know, in the gutter covers and all the hoods and all the rest, um, 
all those systems have their strong points and their weak points, you know, just like we as humans, you know, I'm better at this than I am at that. So again, there is no one sized everything that does everything or else that would be the only product on the market. Anyway, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, KMOX. I'll return for more. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, indeed. Back indeed. Together, Home Improvement. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. Uh, lots of things happening. We have the news, weather, and sports. Then another hour of the Home Improvement Show. Stay tuned here on KMOX. 1 p.m. Your retirement professionals. 2 p.m. Business of family business. Cards later on today. Playing the Reds. Oh, boy, howdy. You know, vengeance is mine, saith the Cardinals. Come on, bring it on. Uh, so stay tuned here for KMOX. Uh, as we talked earlier, uh, we had uh, a topic about FPE, Federal Pacific Breakers. Uh, these are red dot breakers. They're eh, half half century, 40, 50 years old. Some as early recently installed as 35 years ago and 30 years ago. Uh, these are the narrow line breakers. So frankly, part of the breakers are a problem and part of the breakers are not the issue is, how do you know? So, frankly, that whole um, company is gone. But if you have an FPE, Frank Paul Excellence, uh, FPE, uh, that stands for Federal Pacific, then you need to get that electrical panel replaced. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not good. It means the home insurance companies, your homeowners insurance companies, just basically want that done. They consider that a hazard in your home. Uh, so anyway, if you've got the, that breaker panel, get it changed and uh, get it taken care of. It's very important. Now, those are the skinny, narrow line breakers. They're about a half inch wide. You normally have a breaker. It's got about a one inch or three quarter inch lever or thumb latch on it. Uh, these FPE narrow line ones, are the, it's the skinny ones that are the problem. Anyway, then you have some that have bus panel. I mean, long and the short of it, change your electric panel if you have that. The other thing that I've learned here recently, just as a consumer, uh, is just that mechanical systems get tired. They wear out. Uh, they don't really um, do as solidly what they used to do when they were brand new, and that's your electrical breakers, your, uh, your circuit panel. So if you've got a circuit panel and it's a good panel, uh, you might want to check with an electrician and see about replacing all those breakers or at least your main breaker, the main 200-amp breaker, your 100-amp main breaker, whatever it might be. Those are the big ones that just, they don't trip much, so they never get exercised. It's just like a knee. If, you're, you know, if your knee doesn't bend and you never get out of your chair, you don't walk, you know, your knee basically atrophies and it just doesn't work anymore. Well, same for electronic issues like your electrical breakers. Uh, so that's an important issue. As it gets down to can and the gutter guards, um, sometimes it's the least bad solution that is the optimal mix. And there's so many nuances to gutters and leaf guards and all. The, and we're heading right into leaf season. So um, as we get in, we start mulching up the leaves i do that a good bit or raking them up and carry them off or mulching them and letting them sit for compost in your yard uh, all of those things that you know we do in st louis we're used to trees and we're used to leaves uh, the issue is how do you keep the leaves from plugging up your gutter 
when you're in that transitional fall time and all of a sudden, you know, one morning you have, you know, it's below freezing and you have uh, fr- frost or ice in your gutters. Well, you know, that's where the gutter guards are popular in this part of the country because we have all these leaves. Um, what uh, 35 years ago, before we had real, you know, leaf guard pieces that were easily purchased, um, we started putting screens, you know, typical screens and um, wire mesh or uh, hardware cloth, you know, that uh, half inch by half inch uh, heavy duty wire that we'd lay over the top of those gutters and the sheet metal workers would tuck those into the inside of those OG gutters, O-G-E-E, which is that shape, that profile of a gutter. And that the leaves would sit on top of there. They wouldn't plug up the gutters, but likewise, they wouldn't let the water in the gutters either. So the water skips off the top of the gutters. You know, nothing's really working the way it's supposed to. All right, let's find something else. Then we started coming up with better uh, manufactured uh, leaf mesh systems. And now you've got this micro mesh and you've got these plastic things with round holes in it. Everybody sells some version of these and they all work to a certain point. Um, but none of them are perfect. Uh, my preference is the hooded system. Uh, there was a gutter helmet and then, uh, uh, leaf guard gutters, both of which are a hood system, H-O-O-D, hood system, where the metal comes over like a hat and then the hat brim turn, turns down and the water and the debris just follows that through what's called surface adhesion. So the water just curls right around that little bent lip on the front, right into the gutter. Debris gets flying off and it never plugs up the gutters. Well, if you're putting a cover, holes or mesh or anything or a hood on there, when you get to the inside corner where a valley is, now that valley by definition uh, is a lower sloped area, so it tends to gather debris on the roof, number one. Uh, Number two, when you have a real gully washer, a heavy, heavy rain, That rain all gathers in that gully, which is kind of the ditch or the creek that carries all the water off that big flat roof plane. And it comes cranking down that valley. And if it's a hooded system or any other kind of leaf production system, that water typically just skips right off that stuff and flies, including the leaves, stick to it as well. So there is no better perfect system. All you can do is which one is best for your situation. Uh, and it sounds like I have a preference. The issue is when you really have a problem like Ken does in heavy, and some, sometimes that six-inch gutter, you just go with the strategy of, you know, we're just going to let this stuff build up and we're going to put a dry fit downlet, outlet tube, if you will, or downspout on the bottom of that gutter and let that water flush all the debris from inside those six-inch gutters down into the downspout. But if you have underground downspout drains like pipes or something, you know, now you're just dumping all the debris down underground, and now that stuff is even harder to clean than your gutters are. So anyway, the the point being that on any man-made engineering application, gutter covers, um, breaker panels, whatever it is, there is a design life, and there is a specific application that they're designed for. And all designers, um, you know, even NASA, when they have virtually no limited budget, and I say that with tongue-in-cheek, the point being that sometimes they, you know, need to get it figured out. Anyway, stay tuned, Hour 2 KMOX. We're coming back after news, weather, and sports right here on University of KMOX.